So last night it happened. I was there, not that, I, well, I thought it felt like that a little bit inside, but um, I was in the kitchen of my friend's house, right? And I reached in my pocket, I pulled out my keys, and I tossed it to my 16-year-old. For the first night drive. And he caught it, and we walked out, and he drove us home. And I thought, you know, this is training, and so I'm coaching as I go and, and, and kind of giving a few pointers. Here, you did great, and, and he's working on it. You know, he didn't do anything to get the privilege that he had. It, in a lot of ways, it's just grace. Here you go. You didn't buy the car. You, you don't pay for the upkeep of the car. You didn't put fuel in the car, but you get to drive the car. And friends, when it comes to our spiritual journey, we didn't buy the car. We, we didn't get the fuel of the car. We, we just got the car. It's called grace. And we're saved by grace and grace alone. Period. But in the context of that, we're also invited into this journey. Remember, Jesus went to his disciples. He found them. They didn't find him. He found them, and he said two words, follow me, meaning kind of enter into this training process of becoming something greater than what you are, becoming something more. And so back in March of this year, um, reading through 1 Timothy. Can I just read you the verse that kind of jumped off the page? It's kind of what we're basing this whole entire series training camp off of. Here's what it says. Paul's writing to Timothy, a young leader, and he says, look, have nothing to do with irreverent, silly myths, things that are kind of made up by man. Have nothing to do with them, he says. Rather, train yourself for godliness. For while bodily training is of some value, godliness is of value in every way, and it holds promise for the person, life, and also in the life to come. That it has this great power to it. And as we started kind of laying out this series and looking at this and saying, look, how do we, how do we help people understand that it is by grace alone, but now we get to actually enter into training. I've never run a marathon. You know why? A, it's dumb, <laughs> my opinion. B, I've never trained to run a marathon. I probably could if I trained. And for some of you, you've done that. And the exhilaration, I hear your stories. It sounds amazing. I don't know if amazing enough to get me to do it, but it does sound amazing, exhilarating. But you trained for that. And I think in a lot of ways in this spiritual life, to live this life that Christ has for us, is we live in this grace and then we align our lives to train. And so we were talking through different people that we could invite that, that maybe live in this athletic world and have uh, different interactions and live their faith out. There's people that we know that are kind of aligning their life. And uh, we have a few people coming these next couple of weeks, and I'm excited. And so a programming note for next week, okay? Greg Byrne is scheduled to be here. We're excited to have him here. Here's my request for you. Wear something U of A, okay? He's coming to our neck of the woods, but we want to make him feel at home. So as Greg Burns coming, you just wear something U of A. It'd be, it'd be awesome. He's the athletic director at U of A. Talked to him this week. Great man of faith. And I know Richard will vouch for that. But when I, we set up this series, there was one person I called first. And uh, it is Richard Lopez. 
And I'm excited to have him here, and we're going to share a little bit. And I've asked him to share some of what he shares in his chapel services with uh, some of the teams that he gets to lead uh, services for. And I can think of no better person from a friend that I know, who I know aligns his life to train to become more and more who God is calling him to be. I am so proud of Richard Lopez, uh, a chaplain for the UVA football team, baseball team, just countless connections with coaches and players and ex-UVA players who are now professional and all those kind of things, just in one of the humblest guys you'll ever meet, a great dear friend, Richard Lopez. So would you join me up here, Richard? This is your doorknob when you ring the door handle. <laughs> yeah. Well, we are honored to have you here. Well, thank, thank you, you so you. much for, for being here. And um, I know uh, I didn't get a chance to ask you all questions, so I've, I've kind of put some questions together we talked about. Tell me a little bit about or tell us a little bit about just your, uh, your journey to being in FCA. And tell us a little bit about FCA. Well, I think uh, if you think about FCA, I, think I hadn't even heard about this about 16 years ago. FCA was uh, kind of introduced to me personally, and I was working as a janitor preparing for ministry. And, and one of the things that, that I learned about FCA is two things, God and sports, which at that time I was pretty excited about. And um, what, what they told me is that, hey, FCA is all about presenting to coaches and athletes and all whom they influence the challenge and adventure of receiving Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. And my, my uh, director back then, Willie Dudley, he says, uh, You'd be in charge of taking over some of the high schools in the South Side and getting involved with U of A athletics. I'm like, well, growing up in Tucson, you've got to be a U of A athlete or a fan anyway. And uh, so what happened is I just, uh, we talked to, you know, me and Margie prayed about it and kind of said, you know, this would be a great opportunity. But then they said, it's, it's a missionary. You've got to raise your own support. <laughs> and again, when you think about ministry, you're not thinking about raising your own support. You're thinking about, hey, I'm going to be a pastor somewhere. I'm going to get involved and they're going to pay me. I don't have to raise my own support. But we did, we prayed for about, man, probably about a, a year, almost a year, and we really felt called, like, man, this would be a great opportunity to uh, hang out with coaches and athletes and walk around with the Bible to, and, and really sharing the gospel with them. And, and we did. It took us about a year to raise our support. And uh, in 99, in January 99, we started full time. So That's awesome. We've been involved with them since. Well, and I know we've talked many lunches um, and just realizing that the struggle of raising your own support, but also the joy of seeing God provide in that. And uh, I've just watched your faith uh, grow. In fact, tell me a little bit about it. Let us know a little bit about your faith journey and how Christ kind of led you to this spot of leadership. Well, you know, again, growing, growing up, I think, you know, uh, religion wasn't a big, a huge part of our lives. And uh, we went to church twice a year. And uh, in 1996, me and my wife, we probably hit the darkest time of our own lives, you know, marriage. I was, I was uh, having some issues with drug addiction, and I was an alcoholic. I was working at the mine, and, uh, and we, we, were, we were in a dark spot. Okay. And um, finally, I think it was in the end of uh, April of 97, um, I told my wife, you know what, I need some help. And uh, so I did, back then there was a, a facility called the West Center, and I, and I turned myself in for about 35 days. And it was crazy because my brother and I, who were really close, but we didn't see each other a lot because he lives in San Juan, I live in Tucson, we worked different shifts. I kind of knew that there was something happening in his life, but I wasn't really sure what that looked like. So when I was in the drug treatment center, he started showing up to the drug treatment center with a Bible in his hand. 
Well, you know, growing up, again, where I was at, Bible wasn't, you know, I didn't know what that looked like. I never opened the Bible in my life. So he just started sharing some scriptures with me and saying, hey, these are things that can kind of change your life. And, and I remember the thing that really changed mine is he gave me a little track. You know, the one-way track, God, man, Jesus. There's a little prayer in the back. And I started reading that every night. And I just kind of felt like, almost not, not clean, but I felt like, like a sense of, man, this feels good. Mm-hmm. So uh, March 1st of 1987, I think I had come out on that Thursday. On that Saturday, my brother, which was March 1st, um, of 87, about 7.30 at night, my brother leads me and my wife to Christ in my living room. How cool is that? Yeah, and, and it was just, uh, from that day, I mean, just God just did some amazing things. Uh, you know, coming out of a drug treatment center, they always tell you, you got to go to a 90 meetings and 90 days and stuff, and I'm like, okay, I can do that. But God had a different plan. I mean, I think, I think a couple of weeks I went to that meeting, and one day I went to a meeting, and, and my brother had shared 2 Corinthians 5.17 with me, and he says, like, Richard, this is what happens when you accept Christ. You're a new creation. And I remember walking into this meeting, and, and right, you know, if you go around, everybody says, my name's Richard, I'm an alcoholic, cocaine addict, whatever. And uh, I remember before it got to me, I, I, I stood up, and I walked out, and I never went back. Mm. And God just delivered me, and I never had an issue with an addiction or alcoholism. And God Amen. just set me free. Amen. So, That's right. <laughs> and it's great because God, God not only restored me, but he restored my marriage. We had a son who was seven years old, and uh, and God just started just moving everything out of the way, and, and again restored our marriage, and, mm-hmm. and again made me fall in love with my wife again, and just be the man that He wanted me to be. And here we are, been married for thirty-three years, so it's pretty awesome. Yeah. <laughs> that is awesome. <laughs> I need some pointers, probably. <laughs> I'll ask you that way. But I think tell me a little bit about just the journey leading into how God kind of led you through. To FCA and just how you, I know you, you've kind of adapted and changed your role a little bit in that. Um, so tell me a little bit about well, that. I think the journey kind of, since we were, I was at the mine, and, and there was really four things that I really remember. They were almost like decisions that I felt that God had said, you know what, you, you gotta, you gotta let this go. Mm-hmm. And I remember as I was working in the mine, I started in '79, and the day of my 10th year anniversary, which is, I just, I just felt God was saying, you know what, you need to get away from the mine because. The environment, and plus I only had one weekend off a month, so I was only going to church once a month. Mm-hmm. And I remember uh, that day, I don't know if it was a Monday or, or a Tuesday, but I told my wife, you know what, let's go to Seven Walls. She was like, for what? I said, I'm going to quit my job. And you know, again, having good insurance and making some good money, you're like, are you crazy? <laughs> and, and if you ask my wife, there's four, four times that that happened to us in our lives where I just felt like God was showing me as, as a leader of my home, is that you got to let go of some things so that I can open up. And I think we find ourselves in, in, in that predicament a lot where God says, you know what, I can't move you somewhere unless you let go of where you're at now. And he did. So we, we did that. I quit the mine. I started delivering tortillas for $400 a week and in a van and just, you know, Suprema Tortillas. I'm you were the tortilla man? I was a tortilla man. That's how I prepared for ministry. <laughs> but just to see what God did even in the tortilla business is God gave us some favor and ended up delivering mission foods and mission tortilla chips and mission tortillas and a few mission tortillas. They're not very good. <laughs> but I would, people were buying them, so I was This okay. was not a business plug. Right. So I did, so I ended up doing that. And, and even at that point, I felt like God gave us so much favor in that. But I felt like God was saying, you got to let this go. You, you got to let go. And I'm like, why? I remember I'd go, at four, I'd go in at 4 in the morning, and by 10 o'clock I'd be done, and my wife was working, I'd go play golf. I mean, life was good. Yeah. Know? 
Why would I want to get rid of this route? Man, that sounds like a good job. It was a good <laughs> job. But we did, but I just thought, like, God was saying, you know, it's time, it's time to move on. And, and somehow, through a conversation with my sister, she ended up taking, buying my route and stuff. And now we were without a job. And I hear him talking to my pastor saying, like, I don't know what I'm going to do anymore. And he says, well, I got an opening here at the church. I'm like, for what? For a janitor. And so, again, I told my wife, I said, if this is going to take us and prepare us, then we did. And mm -hmm. I was a janitor for almost two years, mm -hmm. preparing for ministry. Because I felt God was calling me to ministry. I didn't know it was to be a janitor for two years. And that's how he prepared us. And, mm -hmm. and just one day, uh, Doug Jones and, and my, my pastor played golf with uh, the director of FCA, and, and they were looking for a guy to come on staff. Again, back then, I had never heard of FCA. And I had lunch with the director of FCA, and he says, hey, this is what we do, and uh, this is what it takes. you gotta, you got to come and raise your own one-year support before you come mm -hmm. on staff. And then, again, we prayed for about, for like, I think, like seven, eight months, and mm -hmm. we really felt like this is where God was leading us. And in January of 99, we came on full staff, full-time staff. So here we are. Here you are. Well, and I know you've been, you started with a lot of high schools, working with coaches and athletes at a high school level, and, and then you guys have grown in some of the staff that you even have now. I know Chris is on staff working some of that. And you've allowed, God's just kind of steered your focus the last couple of years more toward U of A and the collegiate level and the coaches there. Tell me a little bit about that. Well, we started, again, everything from Grand Road South was, was kind of my area. So I, was, I started, I went back to the school that I graduated from, Pueblo High School, and, and started an FCA at Pueblo High School. And again, it was never something that was huge there, and it does. And it grew to, you know, 75, 80 kids every week. And, and God just started giving us some favor in the Southside schools. And we started one at Choya, Tucson High, and at Sunnyside, and started doing chapel services with Sunnyside and playing the football teams. And, and really just created a lot of relationships there. Mm -hmm. and, and so the first probably 10 years, I mean, my, my focus was just basically the Southside schools. Mm -hmm. And when Andy Lopez got hired at U of A, he was involved with FCA. And I, I got some high lunch with him. And he says, hey, would you be our chaplain for our baseball team? So I've been their chaplain for the last 14 years. Mm -hmm. and, and, and it's great. And even last year, of course, the national title, you know, I mean, you kind of think about the things that God puts you in, kind of to be consistent in is, I remember our first couple of Bible studies at U of A Baseball, it was me and Andy Lopez. Because again, it was, he couldn't go to church on right. Sunday, so I was there. And it was me and Andy and his players would come. And, but to this day, now I think I should mention this, is that every single baseball player goes to Bible study every Tuesday night. Every baseball player. I put out 35 chairs, 35 Bibles, and we get in the Word of God for 45 minutes every Tuesday night. Which is incredible. That's super cool. That's super cool. I know uh, you've talked, you were just in Fort Huachuca with a football team the last three days as they were down there. And I know you've had the chance, you get to travel some with them and in that chaplain, not just with services, but being there to talk with the guys just individually. I, has there been, um, you're, I see you on the sidelines. And I go, that's a cool shirt. And there's Richard down there. I get to wave to him. And um, but tell me about a cool moment or adventure that you've had, or like you just where God said, you know, this. Look what I've brought you, and look at the influence that I'm I'm using you to have. Has there been one of those just aha moments for you? Know, you? I, I think I kind of as I thought about that. I think about last year going to the bowl game in New Mexico. I think uh, I remember we got there three four days before the bowl game and. And we're just hanging out with the football players. And, and I remember game day, we got there really early and the guys were just warming up. And, and I just happened to walk out in the, into the stadium. And for a moment, I just started weeping because I felt like, what am I doing? You know, you think about is that in my life, and you think about where God has kind of prepared us, and you walk into this stadium with 
don't know, there's 35,000 people, it was freezing cold. But I just started weeping. I looked up and I'm like, God, what am I doing here? And, and I, because I, I knew it wasn't about what I really had to offer God, but it was about, was I going to make myself available for God to use me? And at that moment, I just, again, I started weeping in the 50-yard line and thanking God that, that He chose me to be part of something of 110 football players that I get to create a relationship with. And it really, with one mission in mind, is that they come to know Jesus Christ as a Lord and Savior. Mm -hmm. so. Amen. Amen. So, um, you've gotten to rub shoulders with a few. Uh, what are some, who are some athletes that you've seen God at work in their life that you've just been able to observe that, maybe, you know, pitch into that a little bit? And you know, the, even through the baseball, the last 14 years, we have a lot of former U of A baseball players that are now in major leagues. And one of my, my best friends has become Nick Hundley, who's a catcher for the Padres, and we do a, a Skype Bible study every Tuesday. And now he's going to be a dad in the next couple of days. But just to kind of be able to see where Nick Hundley came. And again, he, he loved the Lord, but he just didn't know what that looked like on the field and off the field. And I think what we had to offer him was that, you know what, there is no difference of what you're doing. And now that he's going to become a dad, you know, the principles that we've gone over the last few years is that he's going to be able to use that with his son or daughter. Mm -hmm. That's going to be one of his couple days. And I think the relationship that God brings us has just been amazing where young, young people need, need some stability in their lives. They just want something that they can walk out the door with. And again, it's not so much about, hey, knowing from Genesis to Revelation, but knowing that there is one person that's never going to leave you or forsake you. He's never going to let you down. And if you let him be the foundation, that your life will always be successful. Not because he's going to make you hit 300, but because you're always going to be consistent in who you are and who God made you to be in your life. Mm. So that's something yeah, that's good, sir. Um, I know you you briefly kind of went over family, and I, and I know a little bit more of your story. Has there been family lessons, either past or present, with your own family that you'd say, and here's some lessons I've really learned from uh, from marriage for 33 years, or just from family life lessons, maybe? You know, I have a son who's 32, and his name is Richard Ross, and and me and Ross have we're we're best friends. Not because again I didn't get away with anything, but because I didn't get let him get away with it. And I think growing up, you know, I think we were, he was seven when we first got saved, and and, and I really kind of allowed that training for my part, because now I didn't realize that I was going to be involved with athletes at that time. But him growing up, he was a really good athlete. But I knew there was a lot of things that I had to let him learn on his own that God was going to get you through no matter what you faced. Mm -hmm. and, and I think that, that one of the things that prepared me is that there, there was a lot of pride that, that really falls into an athlete. And, and I think my son, being a good athlete, there, there was a lot that crept in, and I know so many times, and I think I shared a story with you at, when he was in playing Little League, that he didn't want to play anymore because he didn't want to look back for some reason. And, and, and if you ask my son, he remembers to this day that I spanked him on the baseball field because I told him, you know what your problem is, is that you're full of pride. And he probably said, that's pretty mean. No, it's not, because it was. He was more afraid of, of, of making a mistake than he was succeeding in life, and it was a pride issue. And I remember to this day that I spiked him, and after that, the smooth sailing. It was, and, and he'll remember that to, to the day he dies. And that, that, that day at Nancy Little Park, I spiked him before a game. I said, you know what, your problem is, is you're full of pride. And you need to go out there and just do what you've been called to do. And it was. Mm -hmm. It was a, a great lesson for me as a dad. Mm -hmm. Because I think so many times we want to help our kids along, 
But so many times we, we hurt them more than we help them mm. by trying to make things easier for them. They got to work for things. And, and I think that's one of the things me and my wife really kind of took serious. Like, you know what? If you want something, you got to work for it. Because, mm. yeah, we're going to help you along, encourage you, but we're not going to do it for you. Mm-hmm. And I think that's one of the things now with these athletes, they, they come to you already with a sense of entitlement. Like, I'm entitled to all this. Mm-hmm. And we're not. You know, God, he's going to bless you. He's going to give you what you need. But you're not entitled to anything in your life. You, we got to work for it. We got to be faithful, and, and to see that in my own relationship with my son, and even now on the golf course, well, I got to teach him some lessons there too because you know we, we compete pretty heavily, and, and right now and he's I a pretty good athlete. Family, so it's good. So. <laughs> he's a pretty good athlete. He is good. <laughs> he's going to take you soon. <laughs> um, what are some of the principles that uh, that had maybe been at work in your life? Uh, as a part of this training, kind of looking at this First Timothy verse that you train yourself for godliness. What are some of those principles that you've seen at work in your life that God's been using in you, kind of getting you to the spot and, and now leveraging the leadership he's given you uh, to invest in others? I, I think one of the things that, that I struggled with in my own life is I always felt like I didn't have a lot to offer God. And, the, and I felt like the, the biggest challenge was not for me to understand who God was in my life, but the fact is that that God didn't need what I had to offer. I needed what he had to offer me. Mm-hmm. And, and that really kind of allowed me, and I struggled, but, but you know, my identity is that, because people always want to know what your resume is. You know, where did you go to college? Where did you play ball at? You know, even doing a Bible study not at U of A on Wednesdays, you know, people say, well, where did you go to college? I didn't go to college. You know, I have a high school education, and, and somehow for the last 25 years, God has just allowed this to be, to be my direction and to dive into this and knowing that, hey, Everything I need to know is in here. And I think even this ability factor is that God will use our ability, and, but the power is found in our availability, right? It's when we make ourselves available for God to use us, that's where His power is manifested. And I struggle with that because I always felt like, God, I have nothing to offer you. And it was like, yeah, but I have something to offer you. And mm-hmm. so even now working with athletes, that's the challenge that they're really talented but they don't use that availability to get better. Hmm. And I think for my own life is that, I, I think the first five years of my Christian walk is that I always felt like I, I couldn't be used by God because my resume didn't look good enough. Hmm. And, and now with these athletes, they come with all these accolades with you know all Americans and all the state, and they get to college, and everybody around them is bigger, faster, and stronger. So what happens to their identity? It's gone. So for me to sit down with an athlete and say, you know what, your identity can't be found in what you do. It's got to be found in who God made you to be. Mm-hmm. So that's where we're at. That's cool. And I know you're getting that message across more and more. And God's given you some more divine appointments with some athletes. And, and uh, excited for you in that. We keep praying for that. Um, so what are some, uh, who are some leaders or athletes that maybe God's used to impact you over the last 14 years or so that... Um, well, Andy Lopez has been a huge... We meet once a week with, with Andy Lopez. And, and I think if you sit down with a man that not only knows the word really well, but is consistent in his faith, um, I ask a lot of questions. I don't know if, and I think at first I was kind of ashamed to ask a question because I didn't want, I felt, I didn't want to feel like I was dumb. Mm. But, but I think one of the things is uh, the more I realize that, that God's going to put people around you, they're going to make you better, that you've got to utilize anybody. And again, people have brought a lot of people in my life that has encouraged me, that challenged me. And, and I think for, with my relationship with Andy Lopez in the last 14 years, it is, has been really a good, big help for me. Mm-hmm. Because I get to, he gets to invest in me, and I get to invest in him, and, and really just 
create this relationship where we got we got to get better at who we are. And mm -hmm. that's one of the things that Andy does in my life. He he'll ask me those tough questions that that says, "What's going on? How are you getting better on a daily basis?" And it is it's it's pretty awesome to have. Yeah, he's a great man of faith. He is a good man. He's a great man of faith. Um, well, do you have a, a favorite verse that um, that you say, hey, this is one that I kind of hold near and dear uh, that you well, have? In March 1st of 1987, when my brother shared that verse with me, in 2 Corinthians 5, 17, I think I still hold it dear to because it set me free. Hmm. It was knowing that I didn't have to be an alcoholic, I didn't have to be a drug addict, but I can be totally made new through Christ. Amen. And that, that verse is, again, it's, it's always been my verse. And it always be my verse. So yeah. Amen. No. Well, I know uh, as a friend, I'm just I'm so proud uh, to know you and to call you a friend and to cheer for you, uh, and I believe in you. And I know um, you've gotten to share with uh, in doing chapels with um, the teams and the coaches that you get to to rub shoulders with, and you've got kind of a. I don't know if a life message that God's kind of given you around four C's that I wanted our folks to be able to hear. And so I've asked uh, Richard to kind of share that with you in these next few minutes. And so I'm going to let you go and do that. Thank you. All right, buddy. If you want to turn your Bibles to John chapter 15, and I'll just take a couple of minutes, because I think one of the things that I, that I found out, especially in ministry, is that God has given us an opportunity to kind of use a, a verse that will not only challenge you, but you can use it to challenge anyone. And I think this, John chapter 15, verse 1, I've been using this message that God gave me that way many years back because I think it is one of the most foundational truths. And even as we go through this training series, you think about this, that God gave one of his greatest pep talks in John chapter 15. Can I, do you kind of get this picture? And I feel more comfortable in a locker room because, again, there's, there's athletes and there's coaches there that they're trying to find something that's going to make them better. And, and I think about here, Jesus is, is having some disciples, and, and he's kind of saying, hey, come on, let's gather up. I'm going to give you one of, the, one of my pep talks. And here in John chapter 15, verse 1, and I've broken it down to kind of a sports analogy because I think athletes, they, they say they're not that smart, and really a lot of times they're not. So, so I've kind of broken it down. When I'm doing a baseball uh, chapel, Bible study, I'll break it down into kind of a, uh, First base, second base, third base, and home because they can relate to baseball, right? The football player might do it first quarter, second quarter, third quarter, and fourth quarter. And then it's so you think about this, John chapter 15, and we'll read starting verse 1. This is what Jesus says I am the true vine, and my father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that, does, that bears fruit, he proves that it may bear more fruit. And then he says, You are already clean because of the word which I have spoken. Abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine and you are the branches and he who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit. Without me you can do nothing. And just those first five, five verses is is I'm kind of just, again, breaking it down and maybe I'll just do the first base. Because I think, when I'm talking about athletes and coaches, I said one of the, the most critical things, even for us as Christians, is one word, and I call it the four C's. And it's consistency. Being consistent every single day in our lives. Because I, I, I've noticed even in my own life that sometimes when, when I kind of lax off in, in studying or reading the word or just praying, that, that things don't go as good as they're supposed to go, right? 
And then I found that if I'm consistently doing the same thing over and over again, something happens. It becomes a lifestyle. So I tell athletes and coaches all the time, that, you know what, if you want to get really good at what you do, number one, you better be consistent. You better make sure that, again, not because you make a good choice one day, because guess what, you better manage that choice. Because how many times that, that, that I walk with God is that we say, God, you know what, I'm going to read more this year, I'm going to pray more this year. But see, that's just a choice. You've got to manage that choice every day. And I said, so if you, want, if you want to see a change in your life, you've got to be consistent. And isn't it amazing that Jesus says, if you remain with me. Jesus said, hey, you've got to be hanging out with me. You've got to be here. Because if you're not here, then where are you going to get the power? Where are you going to get the resources from if you're not hanging out with me? And even in sports, they, they understand that. Is that why do you do, do the same you kind of drills over and over again because they become second nature. And even in our Christian walk, it's what are we doing every single day that becomes second nature? It's, are we reading the Word of God every day? Are we praying every day? Are we sharing the gospel every day? Because you know what? If we do that every day, it becomes a lifestyle. You don't have to think about doing it. You just do it. And so I say, again, being consistent is one of the most critical things that we have to learn in our walk with God. The second thing is, Jesus tells his disciples, you are already clean because of the words I've spoken. And again, talking to these men, they weren't perfect men, but imagine them hearing those words, you are already clean because of the words I've spoken. And the second thing I tell the answer is, you know what, the more consistent you are, the more what? The more confident you become. You can see, you don't wake up in the morning and say, yeah, I'm going to be really confident today. Because if you weren't confident yesterday or you weren't consistent yesterday, where's your confidence coming from? And that's why you see these high elite athletes is that they, they become secondary from when they do something. Why? Because they do it over and over and over again. And they're confident when the ball's hit to them that they're going to make the play, they're going to throw it first, and it's going to work out okay. But imagine, what does that look like in our spiritual life? It's where's our confidence coming from? See, because if you let the world tell you who you are, you're not going to have to be very confident, right? But if you, again, look at God's Word, and you let the Word tell you who you are, then what? Your confidence is not in you, it's in who your God is. Right? So, as I, so I tell the athletes, man, be consistent, because the more consistent you are, the more confident you become, just the way it is in our spiritual walk. And then the third thing is that, three times he continues to say, Abide in me. Remain in me. So I'm saying, you be consistent first base. Second base, you what? You become more confident. Third, is you become more committed. And I don't know how many times I've said to myself, I'm going to be more committed to God this year. See, it's not a choice. It's, it's something that you do every single day. So the more consistent you are, the more confident you become, the more committed you become to the cause of what? Of Christ. Because your confidence raises up. You know what God says who you are. And what he has planned for your life. So no matter what you face, any opposition you face is what? Against God's word, it means nothing. So our confidence is raised up. My commitment level is, is sh shoots up. Because why? Because I become, start seeing the picture that who I am in Christ. And I think for us to, to be challenged today to think about is that God has given us one opportunity to live this one life. And, and I think so many times we, we try to kind of compare where we came from to where God is leading us. And it's a wrong picture. But, but I think these disciples here, Jesus wanted to kind of not only fire them up and say, hey, listen, you got to hang out with me. Because you know what? You are already clean 
because I've already spoken the word. You're not clean because you're perfect. You're clean because our you're clean because our our, our Savior Jesus Christ died on the cross. That's why we're clean. And the more committed we become, check this out. What he says in the last verse there, he says in verse uh, five, he says, "I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me, and I in him, bears much fruit." Now, now think about this: is that if God's going to bring the, the increase in the fruit in your life, what's your responsibility? Be consistent. Let Him give you the confidence so that you can become more committed. And so the, the fourth C is, is become contagious. You ever hang out with someone that man, just makes you better? And I tell, I tell the athletes all the time, I say, you know what? If you're not making your teammates better, you're wasting your time. Because you have an opportunity not only for God to make you better, but to make everybody around you better. To become contagious. Can you imagine that everything that you do, God somehow blesses it? God somehow uses it for His glory? That's bearing much fruit in your life. And I think the challenge for us is we, we want to make things happen. And man, athletes, they struggle with this. They're trying to make something happen. And the more I understand God's word is that, guess what? God's already made it happen. He's created an experience for you and I to wake up every morning and say, God, you know what? I'm not sure what you're going to do in my life today, but I can't wait to see it unfold in my life today. And then we try to create an, uh, an experience when the experience has already been created for us. And, and then we get frustrated because things don't work out the way we want them to work out. And, and again, working with college athletes, man, it's, it's a whole different ball game. Because they want, they, everybody wants to play. Well, only 11 players can play at the same time. There's 110 athletes, and only 11 can play at a time. That means there's a lot of people on the bench. But the fact is, is one of the things that is Jack asked me that, about that, one of my favorite verses, that I, I think one of the verses that really kind of allowed me to, to not only set me free to be doing what I'm doing today is, is Paul's when he says, I've learned the secret of being content in every situation. See, because if you're, you're not content where you are now, what makes you think you're going to be content somewhere else? And, and I've always, I've, I've, the last five years, I felt like God says, you've you got to start from where you're at today. See, because you've got to accept, number one, where you are today. Every athlete. Maybe you're not playing. Maybe you're not starting. Maybe you've been on the bench for the last couple of months. But the fact is that if you don't accept where you are today, what, what makes you think that God's going to put you somewhere else? And see, Paul, when he says, I've learned the secret of being content in every situation, whether things are going good or going bad, I've learned to be content. See, Paul didn't like everything he was experiencing, but he accepted everything he was, he was experiencing in his life. And I think for us, as, as the body of Christ, is that, you know what, you don't have to like what you're going through. And even growing up, I think there's a lot of reasons of why we shouldn't succeed. And I struggled with that for many years in my, when I first started walking with God. But the more I understood that it wasn't about my, my ability, but my availability is that God's just waiting for you and I to say yes. God, do whatever you want to do in my life. Because people, God, God will use your ability. And, and God will use your ability, but the fact is that He gives you what you don't have to fulfill this one plan that He has for your life. And as we go through this training, this journey, 
is the number one thing that God says, you know what? You, you got to accept where you are today. Because if you don't like where you are today, you're not going to like where God takes you tomorrow. And as I think about those four C's, I, it's one of the, the, the things, the banners that I use, one of the themes that I use all the time is that, man, you know what? How consistent are we being away today? And where's our confidence coming from? If you're letting the world or your, or your success or your business give you confidence, it's not going to be there for very long. Let God tell you who you are. The third one, be, remain committed to the cause that, you know what, every single day as you're being consistent, God imparts into you confidence in who you are that you remain committed so that you can bear much fruit and become contagious. And I think that's one of the exciting things that God has allowed me and my wife to experience things in our life that we could never, ever have dreamt of. Why? We just said yes. Not because we had a lot to offer God, because my God had a lot to offer me. And here we find ourselves, and again, even that odd moment that I had in, in Albuquerque, New Mexico, is that, you know what, why me? And I, I leave you with this thought, is that why not me? And why not you? Why can't God do something in your lives as you train every day, as you're consistent, as you're confident, as you're committed, and again, you become contagious, that God just starts doing things in your life that you could never imagine that He could do. And that's my challenge for us today, people, is that man, let, let God... Use your ability, but let Him give you what you need to do things that you can never do on your own. And it does. It becomes starts by you and I being consistent every day. That's where the training is, comes from. There's a training in what? In His Word. Because everything we need is found here. And th th this, is, this is your training manual. And if you're letting anything else besides the Word of God train you up, you're not going to be able to stand on it very long. And I thank you again for the opportunity to just to be here tonight. Pastor Jack, I thank you for just to be able to just share what God's doing in our own lives. And again, it's not about your ability. It's about your availability. Are you going to let God use you in whatever way he chooses, not with the way you choose? Thank you, Pastor. Thank you, Richard. Um, you know, we want to we didn't want to end tonight with just with that. We uh, we really believe in you. Thank you. And uh, I believe, I, I'll speak for myself, because we're just meeting you. But I'm telling you, I believe in what you do. And I believe that God's not only been using you, but has greater doors to open for you and for the impact in college athletics in, in our city and the impact you're having. And I know... Um, You've got a good friend as an athletic director that believes in you. Mm -hmm. And uh, that's why he's going to be here next week. And you've already talked with him. And um, so we wanted to end tonight uh, with this part. We're going to move into a time of communion and, a, and a, another worship song. Uh, but I wanted to kind of end just praying for Richard and for Fellowship of Christian Athletes. And so I'm just going to ask you as the family of elements to kind of help participate in that. And I don't know if Margie wants to come. You don't have to. I didn't ask you this ahead of time. I'm so sorry. They're going to say, what is she doing know, with him? I know. Well, we say that about her well, wife because we marry out of our league. She gets mad when I say this, but when <laughs> people look at her and they're like, how did this happen? Because, opened because I used to have a lot of hair. I said, that's why. <laughs> that left a long time ago. <laughs> yes, Amen to that. Um, well, how can we pray for you and for your team and for Fellowship of Christian Athletes? You know, Pastor, I think there's only two things that I ask God for is favor and wisdom. Okay. Because with favor and wisdom... God's favor and God's wisdom is that you don't need anything else. And that's definitely what I tell everybody. We just pray for favor 
for God's favor and God's wisdom to do what he's called us to do. Awesome. Well, would you join me and let's pray for Richard and for his family and for his team that he leads. And uh, then we'll continue on with our service. And so, Father, we just stand here and, and just gathered in this moment. In behalf of our Elements family and part of your kingdom, uh, we're just big believers in Richard Lopez and in Margie and in Chris and their team uh, that you've planted here in Southern Arizona. We thank you for the favor that you've given them. And we ask that you exceedingly pour more and more favor and wisdom into them. And so, Jesus, we're asking that you would open doors to conversations. I, I think of the guys he got to hang out with here the last three days and just people that you brought up to the sidelines and just maybe they didn't even know Richard uh, when they started on Thursday, but by Saturday they're, they're talking to him and they're beginning to pour out their heart. And these are just young men who sometimes I know we get caught up looking at entertainment side, but these are people and they are people that you dearly love and that you are passionate about and pursuing. And you've placed Richard and his team and as a bridge to kind of bring that love and to deliver that grace in a way that uh, that meets them where they're at. And so I pray for great favor and wisdom on individual conversations with uh, student athletes uh, here this coming uh, this coming semester and this coming year with the football team and baseball team, and that you would continue to expand that. And for the influence that you've given FCA on our high school campuses and with coaches around our city, we pray that you would continue to allow them to be a great source of encouragement and pointing them to the hope and light of Jesus. And so, Father, we ask for just an outpouring again uh, in this next 12 months of an extra heaping of your favor and your wisdom for Richard and his team. We pray that in Jesus' name. And we all agree. Amen. 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 Thank you, Pastor. Thank you.